knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Since our first event in October of 2018, we're now at 260,000 pounds. Before we get started, we're going to hit you with the, the hot seat. So are you ready to roll? Let's do it, man. All right. Rock, country, or other? <sighs> country. Mountains or beaches? Beaches. Coffee, tea, or energy drink? Coffee. Name a movie that makes you laugh. Mmm. Mmm. <laughs> oh, man. Name a movie that's, that makes you cry. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. <laughs> Name and, a movie. And, that's a movie that makes you laugh and cry. And Beyond the Pines for there making you go. me cry. Uh, yeah. Sunrise or sunset? Uh, sunrise. Text or call? Text. One thing you're afraid of? Ooh. Having my boat go down underneath me. Mm, good one. Yep. Uh, Instagram or Twitter? Uh, Instagram. Winter Olympics or Summer Olympics? Hmm, winter. Fiction or nonfiction books? Uh, fiction. Audio paper or Kindle? Paper. Last book you remember reading? Hmm, uh, that would be Walk the Darkness Down by Daniel McGarriel. Nice. Uh, yep. The Office, Friends, or Parks and Rec? Oh, <laughs> The Office. Uh-huh. Which technological yeah. gadget do you rely on most in your daily life? Uh, definitely the iPhone. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you and everyone else. Uh, yep. Something you're proud of? Um, 260,000 pounds of traps and garbage out of Florida's coastal fisheries. What an awesome answer. That's fantastic. If you could have a superpower permanently, what would it be? Organizing volunteer help. <laughs> I think you already have that. I think you must you must already have that. What's a hidden talent or skill that you possess that people might not know about? Hmm. Oh man. Let's see. I can sing a little bit. Okay. Cats yep. or dogs? Dogs. Mine's sitting here next to me. Mine's under my table. Breakfast, <laughs> lunch, or dinner? Breakfast. Spinning rod, fly, or conventional? I don't get to fish with it much, but a fly rod. All right, we've got a great conversation with Neil Holland from Ocean Aid 360. This is a really cool organization that I fully support because they do really cool things. They include a lot of people. They pull trash out of the ocean, clean up stuff. Who wants to look at trash? So fantastic organization, Ocean Aid 360, and we're going to get to a great conversation with Captain Neil Holland in just a second. Just want to tell you a couple of things that are going on. We have a great giveaway right now. Uh, with our friends at Tackle Direct and St. Croix. We're giving away a Rift Jig Rod, uh, spinning rod, and it's going to be uh, something that a lot of people are going to want. We've already had a bunch of entries for that. They're pairing this with a hat and a dry bag, so a whole St. Croix gift um, opportunity this month, September. We're giving away that. Also want to remind you about the Coffee Club subscription. We have Black Rifle Coffee Cup right here. I just opened mine this month, and the way that I get my subscription is two bags a month, and they surprise me. And this month, I got the Beyond Black 
this one, which is really cool. It's got the Jamie Caldwell type night vision goggles that we used when we were tarpon fishing uh, for the night show. That was really cool. And then Freedom Roast. So the Beyond Black is, uh, it's, it's a little darker, darker roast. And the Freedom Roast is a medium roast. And I gotta say, man, after uh, getting all of these different coffees in the mail every month and trying them, I've really gotten to where I really like this medium roast. It's fantastic. But you could also be surprised with coffee every single month, and you'll see that you can get 25% off of the first month if you use the code BLASTOFF25. BLASTOFF25 is the code that you use. You find that either on the website, tomrollandpodcast.com, or on the Instagram, tomrollandpodcast. On the Instagram, go to the link tree, and you can find that. All right, so that's up. Uh, all we got for the news for this week. Definitely get yourself uh, also, um, you know, for your dad, for your uncle, for somebody that loves coffee. Uh, coffee Club is a great gift idea. So keep that in mind. All right, now we're going to go back to Captain Neil Holland from Ocean Aid 360 to finish up this amazing conversation. Hi, I'm Captain Neil Holland with Ocean Aid 360, and you're listening to the Tom Roland Podcast. Neil, what's up? How are you, man? Hey, Tom, happy to be here with you. Thanks for having me on. Man, I'm happy to have you on. I just absolutely love what you're doing. I think that it's so cool. OceanAid 360, you just got yep. off your uh, Space Coast uh, event, 5,000 pounds or more uh, of debris yep. out of the ocean. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, there was a two-day weekend-long tournament. We had Captain Blair Wiggins out there with this brand new deck cat, bad to the bone bay boat. Um, and uh, a lot of excitement in the air. We had about 75 plus volunteers um, and took in 5,000 pounds of debris, people scouring all all corners of the Indian River Lagoon That's so to awesome. uh, make a great impact there. That's yep. so awesome. So what was the book that you just, that you just read? Finished? I'm glad you asked. Yeah. So my college roommate, he just put out his second novel and uh, to a decent amount of fanfare. Um, his name is Daniel or Danny McGarriel. And he wrote a book called Walk the Darkness Down. And it's set in uh, seaside town in New Jersey. Uh, main character is a commercial fisherman. And it's about his experience and his wife's experience going through the birth of their first child and uh, trying to make a family life out of being on the water all the time wow. and uh, and that sort of thing. Is he the and new some, Randy Wayne White, White? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Admittedly, there's some tragedy in there, um, so it, it's not quite got the uh, the the kind of I don't know the same feel as a Randy Wayne White book, but um, I liked it. I thought it was great. It sounds like um, you know that's a good strategy. I think for a writer to to have a character that's interesting enough that you can, you can expand on it and go like, like the Joe Pickett novels, oh, yeah. you know, those, those are, yeah. those are pretty good. Joe Pickett. Yeah. And then like, like Carl Hyacin had kind of those characters that went through his books. Yeah. Uh, and Randy's so, doc Ford stuff. Of right. course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's all, all sure. good. That's fantastic. So yeah. tell me about, uh, ocean aid 360 and what you just did in the, in the space coast. We just talked about it for, for just a second, but, um, yeah. where was it held and, and how did you kind of rally people to, to help? Yeah. So I think as some of your listeners know, um, ocean aid 360 is guide led. I'm a, I'm a charter captain out of St. Petersburg in Tampa Bay. Um, and you know, it was really kind of born out of 
my familiarity with the fishery, but also my partner, her name is Danielle. I, I watched her spend the back half of every lunch hour we'd take down at our, our local park on the waterfront. And she'd pick up chips bags and everything and stick it into her pub sub plastic bag. And that she just felt really passionate about it. It was her thing, you know. Uh, so after uh, some amount of time, I pitched in and that was the two of us walking up and down the shoreline. And eventually I looked at her and said, well, in my other career life, which is federal grants administration for for a variety of different nonprofits, I have I have some insight into the fact that we could probably get a grant to do this and organize our community members and and other folks who who are interested in the same. And so we applied for our first grant in 2018, won right out of the gates, our very first proposal, and it gave us the chance to stand up seven tournament events, which we called Ghost Trap Rodeo tournament events around the perimeter of Tampa Bay, about one every month and a half over the course of a year. Well, we were supposed to collect 15,000 pounds. That was our target over the course of those seven events, and we got 27,000 pounds. Wow. So from there, um, NOAA, the NOAA Marine Debris Program and the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation, they invited us to uh, consider expanding the project and to continue to re receive some funding to stand up similar tournament events from Apalachicola down to Key West and back up to Jacksonville. Um, so since our first event in October of 2018, we're now at 260,000 pounds of predominantly uh, lost and abandoned stone crab, blue crab, and spiny lobster traps and other forms of marine debris. So that's all your floats on plastic bottles and styrofoam and all of that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, rope, exactly. That's right. Um, so this most recent event that um, Indian River Lagoon, um, it was funded by uh, FWC through a small grant that they that they put out to bid, and we won the the grant award. Um, and it was specifically focused on shoreline debris cleanup. So, as I think you'll you'll know real well, and a lot of your listeners know, in the Indian River Lagoon, you've got a lot of natural shoreline. Um, they're blessed with a lot of natural area that in Tampa Bay we're mostly surrounded by residences and all of that kind of thing. But over there, they've got a lot of shoreline that um, is accessible by boat or kayak, you know. Mm -hmm. um, so we were able to organize volunteers, get a lot of folks out. Like I said, Blair Wiggins and uh, his team came out and uh, helped to organize their, their followers. And it led to a really phenomenal event, 5,000 pounds of debris out of the water in a combined eight hours. Um, and yeah, we had we incentivized volunteers through each event with good quality prizes from fishing sponsors. Um, a lot of that's organized for us by Coastal Conservation Association of Florida. Um, and yeah, it's just phenomenal impact. And and I'm actually talking to you today from Key Haven, uh, down near Key West, right. uh, where we are going to be doing three days more of cleanup on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday this week in September. Um, and, and focused on an area of shoreline that's got storm debris and a lot of liveaboard debris coming into the shoreline and boat ramp debris, just human interaction. Um, and it's one of the, the most concentrated areas of garbage along a natural shoreline that we've ever seen in, in Florida. So uh, explain that. Like you're going to focus on a certain part and you're, you're starting in Key Haven. Is that where this thing starts or, or you yeah. just happen to be staying there? 
Phenomenal question. So at the Indian River Lagoon, our circumstance was a bit different. FWC determined our our project geography for us, right? They said, we want you to fan out around the Indian River Lagoon um, from basically Titusville all the way down to the town of Coco and send folks in all directions, you know, try to do some survey work ahead of time, which we did, map some of the hot spots, and then we sent our volunteers by boat, kayak, paddleboard on foot in all directions to fan out and make a good quality impact. Down at Key Haven, the circumstance is different because you have a very localized area around the Key Haven public boat ramp Mm -hmm. where um, debris seems to be uh, concentrated and congregating at a rate um, that's just higher than anywhere else around it. So this particular stretch of shoreline, I think it had run about 600 yards, something like that. Um, and you can literally walk on the bottles and all of yeah. that stuff for the entire stretch. Yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, I lived on Key Haven for a long time on, on Azalea. I don't know yep. what road you're on right now, but, uh, yep. that was my boat ramp, you know, that, that I put yeah. in on so much. And, yeah. uh, yeah, there, there, I don't know where all that trash is coming from. I'm assuming from the liverboards, yep. uh, yep. out there, but maybe not entirely. Because you got a tremendous amount of current coming in Boca Chica Channel there, and it exactly. could be it could be coming in or out there, and that is just like a collection zone. Uh, That's right. Natural That's collection cool. zone for weeds or or plastic bottles or flip flops or whatever happens to be yep. there, but uh, man, that's such yeah. a great thing that you're that you're doing there to to clean all that up. Well, we're we're really fortunate in this case, and down in the Keys, um, we have earned the trust, I think, and the respect of a lot of the commercial operators down here and the guides um, and the other nonprofits operating locally. So for this event, we're partnered up with Reef Relief, which is very well known uh, based out of Key West. Also um, gonna have some help from Concrete Public Marine Army um, and from others as well. So, um, you know, Surf Rider Foundation in the Keys as well, of course. So everybody's turning out their volunteers to try to make it a success. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm hoping here as well is that people listen to this and that are in the keys or, or familiar with the keys or in within a driving distance of the keys could come down there and give you a hand. Um, how would somebody do that? Like if, if, you know, they're thinking, well, I'm in Key Largo, that's cool. Maybe they'll come to my area. So I'll, I'll participate in this one, you know, pay it forward a little bit or whatever. Um, how, how would somebody do that? Do they need to call you in advance or do they need to just show up or what? You know what? We'll take them any way we can get them, but, um, oceanaid360.org that's oceanaid360.org, um, has a link to the Eventbrite page. Um, and it's fairly easy to do. Alternatively, if somebody just wants to Google Eventbrite Ocean Aid 360, it'll pop right up. Can't miss us. Mm-hmm. You also have your social media. You got a good Instagram. Yep. That's how yep. uh, I learned about what you were doing. And we were able to put this put this together real quickly is just from your Instagram. Yep. So don't take yep. your foot off the gas there. I think you're touching a lot of people. Thank you. Getting a lot of people uh, uh, familiar with what you're doing. It seems like just like the the best um, organization, like there's, there's no hidden agenda here. Like you're picking up trash out of the ocean. Do you ever encounter anyone that doesn't support what you're doing? No, like it not seems like far. just the most, the most simple thing. We're pulling yeah. things that shouldn't be in the ocean. We're pulling them out. I guess maybe yeah. people that like to lobster off of 
tires or something, you know? Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, when it's shoreline debris and kind of mixed debris like this, um, no, I think that everybody sees the benefit. Um, on occasion in the past when we've had events that were focused on derelict and abandoned traps, mm -hmm. right? So crab traps or lobster traps. Um, we do sometimes have some uh, pushback, let's say, from local commercial uh, fishing communities. Uh, but once they, you know, it's interesting. We would have people uh, early on from the commercial side, and they'd come into our, our comment thread underneath our Facebook post and try to blow us up, you know, and say, these guys don't know what they're talking about. And they didn't know us at all, right? Mm -hmm. But they just assumed that we're coming in with the floppy hats and the big high black socks with our sandals on <laughs> or whatever. And uh, and I would say to the, in the comment thread, I'd say, call me, can we, can we have a conversation? Here's my number, call me, let's talk. And as soon as they understood kind of the impetus or the motivation behind the project and understood that we, um, we really value uh, fishing livelihoods for working watermen and women um, and value a, a good, clean, uh, you know, a habitat that supports a healthy and abundant fishery. Um, you know, I think they understand that we are on their side, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they folks tend to appreciate that this project is led by somebody who derives income from working on the water as well. You right. know? Yeah, very so, cool. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Bringing people together rather than splitting people exactly. apart. That's yeah, a, exactly. It's a powerful move. Um, yeah. What about? I think we discussed this last time, but I don't remember what the answer is. It mm. when you're picking up like like uh, a, a stone crab trap that's had the had the line cut by a propeller or for whatever reason it's just gone, and yeah. uh, there's almost no way to find that for the mm -hmm. for the crab fisherman. And, right. uh, but, but your people come across it and you're, you're operating on a permit that allows you to pick this stuff up because it's not like yeah. you should just go out there and mess with someone else's fishing gear. Exactly. Um, so I'd like for you to touch on that real quick, but what happens to these traps? Because a stone crab trap that has the, the buoy cut off, yeah. it's still a good trap. Right. Yep. So is there a way that somebody could get it back or or yep. like, can you go go over that a little bit? Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to. I would say that that's one of the lessons learned over the course of our programming since we started in 2018 is that our trap retrieval events really, really um, focus on the closed fishing seasons. Right. So there's no confusion mm -hmm. whatsoever uh, about whether a trap should be pulled or not. If it remains in the fishery and it's not a pinfish trap, which is permitted to be out any time of year, uh, if it's a crab trap or lobster trap and it's fishing during the closed se uh, season for that species, then it comes on out. Um, so one thing that is uh, intriguing, I think your listeners would, would be interested in, is the fact that um, our wire mesh blue crab traps they get dipped in a concrete slurry by by um, like St. Mary's Riverkeeper or various organiza organizations here in Florida or by the South Carolina Department of Nat uh, uh, Natural Resources, I guess it is. Um, they dip the, those wire mesh traps in a concrete slurry and stake them out and create living shoreline projects with mm. them to recruit larval oysters and clams um, and reduce shoreline erosion and contribute to water quality improvement through filtration, right? Who, who um, does that? Who does that project? 
So the South Carolina DNR has taken so far, I think they've taken 300 blue crab traps from us and they're looking for more. Um, and then here in Florida, we have worked with a with an environmental consulting company called Young Bear Environmental Consulting, and they've worked for um, city of Fernandina Beach um, and also up closer to Amelia Island. They did some work. Hmm, very so, cool. yeah, yeah. So that's been really exciting. We've had a chance to visit a couple of those uh, projects and see the, the new oyster reefs that have been piloted by this uh, wire mesh blue crab trap materials. Um, I will say that in the case of the stone crab traps, that's more challenging because the the 35 pounds or so of concrete that's poured into the bottom of most of those traps is something that recyclers are not yet capable of processing. Mm-hmm. If there was no concrete in it, or if we took the time to sledgehammer or whatever every single trap, um, then then they might be able to deal with it. But so far, there's no way for us to efficiently process those traps and for recyclers to take them with the mixed materials that mm-hmm. they have. So where do the, what happens to them? Those get a landfill. Okay. Yeah, which isn't optimal. We really want to find a better way to deal with that, but it's one of the main issues that FWC and other fisheries management organizations um, are trying to work their way around. And they're you know, they, there's a lot of conversation going on with recyclers to figure out what could we possibly do um, to recycle these traps because plenty about, of them come in. Yeah. Well, what about putting them back in use? Like allowing, yeah. you know, you, you look, you survey them one, the ones that aren't broken yeah. and, and are still serviceable. Yeah. Just to let, let commercial fishermen come in there and get them you know free. I, I could not agree with you more. And that's actually, it's something that, especially in the keys, um, a lot of the commercial guys that we work with men and women, actually, um, they've said to us, we would love to see a buyback program for these traps, yeah. you know, of course. Um, and we agree. We think that that would be highly sensible to reuse the materials instead of creating right. new plastics. Right. Yeah. That's the best form of recycling, in my opinion, is like exactly. Reuse. Yeah. yeah. So as you can imagine, FWC's major concern over that is the the ownership of the gear. Um, and once a, a stone crab trap gets branded or has its tags or whatever it may be, um, or somebody scribes in the concrete on the bottom, you know, their numbers, um, it becomes highly problematic trying to deal with yeah. handing those traps over to somebody else potentially. Yeah, that does seem really tough. Yeah. Yeah. So it's something I, I can at least report to you that conversation is ongoing about that. And everybody recognizes that there's low hanging fruit there. Um, but that ownership issue is a major issue, especially within the commercial fishing group. Nobody wants to see your traps on somebody else's boat, you know? Right. Well, for sure. So, I mean, that's, yeah. yeah. I haven't even mentioned the lobster traps cause they're generally made out of wood. And yep. uh, if those are in the water for a long time, I would imagine that there's a lifespan on on those that they just exactly there wouldn't be much left after a while. They probably last yeah. surprisingly long. They but, do. They get a few years. Yeah, they get a few years. Yeah. So one of the things I guess that maybe not everybody realizes about traps is that they keep working even if they're not baited. Right. Like yeah. that's that's one of the things that is the most uh, damaging about losing a trap is that that thing is, you know, if a fish gets in there and can't get out and ends up dying in there, well, he's now bait. Right. And it yeah. just continues to rebait itself and yep. continues to catch, which is, you know, tough. 
Yeah, exactly right. I mean, that's the phenomenon that your listeners will know as ghost fishing. Um, and every trap that comes up, not everyone, but many of the traps that come up through our cleanups have the carapace of, you know, the crop before right. and a few live ones scrambling around in there. So, yeah, I mean, it's very cyclical. Um, and when they when they die and decompose, they put off a smell and rebate the trap. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it's something that is important to address and to get ghost gear as we call it out of the fisheries and and ensure that any any marine resources whether it's stone crabs or hogfish or whatever it is that's out there is not dying in unchecked gear we want it you know living its best life and we want it available to us as anglers or a coastal economy you know right so what are your plans after the the keys you just you, it seems like you're on kind of a run here you got the space coast that you just finished five thousand yep. pounds there you brought in some good partners i saw uh who are all the partners i saw salt strong was part of that deal yep. good, good guys over there uh, yeah who were. else did you have in that yeah, thanks for asking. And another one of our our big partners on that event is the organization called Current Problems. Yeah, I saw that. I don't know what they are. Yeah. I didn't know what that is. Yeah, a lot of people haven't heard of them, but they've actually been around for about 30 years. They're based out of Gainesville, and they are one of the few organizations that's focused specifically on freshwater lakes and river systems um, and, you know, the kind of outflows to saltwater environment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we, you know, FWC, uh, they they thought that we might have some synergy between what we do and what they do and have an opportunity to learn from each other. Um, and that's kind of how that partnership was forged. So they were great to work with. They're really good at, at uh, taking the collected debris that comes in and cataloging every bit of it to say, this is how many bottles, this is how many uh, cigarette butts, you know, this kind of thing. And they're actually able to uh, gather a lot of data and metrics on that and and start to get a concept of the origin of some of this debris that's so coming into the watershed. They're counting every cigarette butt and every wrapper and every bottle that comes in. Yeah. How many they do a lot of that. they get? <laughs> I don't know. Crocs. I'm sure it was plenty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so I wonder, we're actually I wonder in that now there there would be some yeah. interesting data there to look at that over time and yeah. see how many flip flops there are and which foot. Yeah, like because I've heard like you're always finding the left one, right? yeah, in this hemisphere, and the other one goes in the other hemisphere. I don't know if that's true or not. Right, but right. It right. is kind of funny though when you see a flip flop. It's like yeah, there's a left one. It's just, like if it falls on this side of the coastal divide, the left one floats over there guess, and the right one, I don't know. I guess. I don't know. But I will say that um, I think your listeners would be interested to know that we're going to be putting out a report about, you know, what was found at Indian River Lagoon and uh, kind of the, the composition of the debris that came in. So, uh, so for them, Problems is working on that right now. So for them to be um, putting that kind of time and effort and, and, and uh, you know, detail into counting mm -hmm. up the 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 type of trash they obviously have been able to do something with that data in the past right that they see that that's it's so important that we're going to put people on counting every bottle and counting every every cigarette butt so do you have any idea of like what they've been able to determine or what they've been able to solve by cataloging this the, the trash you know that's a great question. Like I said, I think it, it would begin to give you some kind of a concept of the origins of this debris that's going into your watershed. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but I think to get specifics on that, you'd have to have one of them on. Yeah, uh, I'd like to. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna put them, I'm gonna put them on my list because uh, please, yeah, that's uh, um, very cool. I mean, I wouldn't even think about that. Like, yeah. let's count up every one of these bottles and every one of these cigarette butts and every one of these things because maybe we could determine where it's coming from. I mean, maybe, yeah. I mean that's obviously a very simple thing to draw a conclusion, but I'm, I'm more along the lines of kind of, let's just get it all off the shoreline right. and in a can and away right, from, right. away from the water. But, uh, yeah. if they could, you know, come up with some, some solution of where it came from, then obviously then maybe they could, uh, prevent it from happening in the future. But, um, yeah, that's, that's and super I, I, cool. I think you'll, you'll know this, but within the last say five years or so, and within the coastal cleanup space, there has been somewhat of a move to uh, try to bring attention to, you know, if it's mostly Pepsi bottles or mostly Nestle wrappers or something like that to say, Hey, Nestle, here's, here's your handiwork in the field. You know, um, what can we do about this? How can we get you guys to pitch in and uh, exhibit some coast or some, uh, some social responsibility, you know? Uh, so, and kind of as a starting point for some of those conversations. Huh. Have you noticed um, uh, a, a particular brand that shows up more than others? Hmm. Well, you know, like the, all of the single-use uh, water bottles, right. the yes. plastic water bottles everywhere. Um, we're, we're routinely seeing bait boxes and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that was a thing about um, yeah. offshore fishermen for a long time. They just felt like, oh, it's cardboard. It'll buy, it'll, it. it'll be gone in, in no time. And it probably would if it was just regular cardboard. But that cardboard's covered in wax or something. Some exactly. sort of chemical or something that keeps it from, you know, like keeps it okay in the freezer and everything. But those don't go yeah. away. Like, that's yeah. not a good practice to throw that. No, in it's water. certainly not. No, not when it's so easy to stuff it in a hatch and throw it away on your when you get back in, you know. Right. Um, but you know, I I think one thing that I wanted to mention to you, you kind of alluded to it, is the fact that we have had a really busy couple of months. Um, in June, we were at Cedar Key, uh, and then in July, we were at Tampa Bay for two two events, Biscayne Bay for an event, uh, in the Keys for three days of events. Um, in just those couple of events that I named, we took in 81,000 pounds, wow. uh, Indian river lagoon. And now we're down in the keys for three days this week. And up next, uh, we're going to be in Harbor Island in the Bahamas oh. doing our, I think this will be our third event there with that community. Um, and they are, they've taken a really strong interest, the local stakeholders and the community leadership there, they've taken a really strong interest in, um, replicating the model that we came up with to hold an annual event that they run themselves, hmm. so, uh, which is best case scenario for us. Yeah. Well, well for sure. I mean, because the mm -hmm. whole point is not that necessarily that you pick up all the trash. It's that the yeah. trash gets picked up, right? Like, exactly. I mean, <laughs> yeah. 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 That's, that's right. And there's so many areas that need attention that to have, you know, to kind of help train and support uh, and build capacity capacity among local communities so that they can do it themselves. 
that is the entire objective, you know, uh, to hand it over to them so that we can move on and go work on other areas and continue to support them as needed. With so technical I'm not sure how it works in the Bahamas, but it, it would be interesting to, to have this discussion, too, about if, if there's a community that sees the value in this and then they want to do this. Yep. It might not be as easy as just organizing people and going out and picking it up because like. I mean, there's a permit, right, that you need to yep. to get. Can you, could you just kind of touch on that? Like if somebody was interested in doing that, like what's the best way to go about it? I mean, sure. obviously we love their motivation to go pick up trash and that's fantastic. And there's some types of trash that you could just go pick up, but then there's other types that maybe yeah. you want to be a little more careful about. That's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, a, a shoreline cleanup, anybody can do that anytime um, and we encourage it. Uh, a, a cleanup that's dedicated to derelict and abandoned traps, crab traps or lobster traps, it does require a permit. Um, but, uh, you know, we are very interested in adding other organizations, whether it's a homeowners association or the local Autobahn group or the local Salt Strong chapter. Um, we're interested in adding those folks um, into what we do. And the reason is that when there's a seasonal closure, right, for, say, stone, uh, let's say blue crabs, for example, that closure may run from Pasco County, just north of Tampa Bay, all the way down around to Biscayne Bay, and it'll only last 10 days. So there's, you know, a tremendous amount of coverage area that needs attention, and Ocean Aid 360 can be in only so many places at one time. Mm -hmm. So it means that a lot of, you know, and there are a couple of other organizations that might pull a permit to do this sort of work. And yes, FWC does have an annual uh, bit of programming that they run for trap collection. Um, but even still, there's a there's a wide open gap there in the amount of um, of kind of environmental services and, and organizations pulling permits to go out and collect abandoned gear um, and the amount of coverage area. So um, what we always do is invite folks who want to lead something like this or take it up with their community group uh, to reach out to us and let us help them, you know, with all of the the learning curve that we went through, we can speed somebody else's process up very quickly yeah. um, and help them understand how to how to get through the permit process with ease um, and the the essentials to stand up a good clean event in their community that folks will really enjoy. We compare them with our industry sponsors that provide some prizes and such. Um, and that's it. We honestly, we don't ask for anything. I'm just trying yeah, to share the information. That's super cool. One of the things I would think that would be important to set up in, in advance would be who's going to take this stuff away. Right? Yeah. And oh, how, yeah. How does that work? Like do, when you set up, is it like the local waste management that yep. provides dumpsters and you just throw it in there and they take it? Or is it like a construction dumpster or what, what is the, how do you do that? Like at a new event, a new place that mm -hmm. you've never been, you don't know how yep. much you're going to get. Like what, yep. how do you, how do you plan for that? That's a great question. Um, so I would say that we have worked through all of those different modalities yeah. that you just described. Yeah. We've had occasions where so much debris was coming ashore. Like our, our event that we did in 2022 uh, at the Indian River Lagoon, we had to make an emergency call for a waste management company, like a private contractor to come and drop off another 20 foot or 30 foot um, roll off dumpster. And we filled that one as well. Right. 
Um, I would say that a lot of times we work with uh, municipal waste management, right? And they'll say, let us drop off a bin for you. Um, we are going to charge you something for the dump fees, but we're going to reduce rate because we share your mission. Um, and so we see that a bunch. And in the case of the Indian River Lagoon, just this past weekend, uh, we had a guy and his wife. He's a paramedic uh, for one of the local municipalities there, uh, but has plenty of off days each week. And he and his wife started a company called Dumpster Daddy. And uh, so they go around and they, you know, they, they have a small roll off or, or a dump trailer, a hydraulic dump trailer. And uh, he brought it on both days, helped us load all of that stuff and just charged us the dump fees, basically sharing the mission. He, uh, he gave us his time and his resource for free and, uh, and charged us only for the dump fees at the, at the city dump. Awesome. So, yeah, I mean, you know, these events, they're they're grassroots and and you never know exactly where the resourcing is going to come from but people always band together this is a mission that people love and support they see the value in it for their area uh, and their fishery um, and we've been really blessed in that regard so we have a lot of a lot of uh, expansion going on in 2024 we're doing our first events at charleston and up in long island sound up in new york Oh, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, headed up there in October to, uh, participate in the Bonefish Tarpon Trust, uh, uh banquet, which is going to, uh, bestow a real nice award on one of our benefactors. Okay. His name's Chad Pike, and he's the, uh, uh, benefactor for the Grassy Creek Foundation. He's receiving the Lefty Cray Award for conservation, uh, uh, support from Bonefish Tarpon Trust. And he's going to be using part of his time up there on the stage in front of all the other folks who support BTT to explain his affiliation with OceanAid 360 and how, uh, how he thinks other folks should be getting involved with our work. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of these, I mean, you mentioned Cedar Key, Tampa, Biscayne, um, the Keys, obviously, um, hurricane areas. Yeah. Uh, most, most of them, if they haven't been lately, no. they will be in the future, unfortunately. But um, wondering how you kind of plan uh, especially like Cedar Key, and then yep. you know we you know we just had a hurricane come on Horseshoe Beach, and like yep. how does that fit into the plan? Like, I, I was just kind of wondering, you know, sometimes a hurricane almost always puts a tremendous amount of debris into the mm -hmm. into the water, um, and just wondering kind of how that fits into your plan of there. Okay, there was a storm there. Yeah, we should probably plan an event you know, either as soon as possible or sometime in the future or what, you know, how do, yeah. how do hurricanes and natural, natural factors, even if it's just a tropical storm, you could get a lot of stuff into the water that way. How do, yeah. how do you kind of use those to kind of set your schedule? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, so I think your listeners will know that when we have major storm activity come through uh, along our shoreline, you know, those municipalities that's passing closest to uh, their trap lines, whether it's lobster traps or stone crab traps or blue crab, um, those those traps oftentimes will walk quite far, miles, right from the from the original location where the angler set it. Um, so that creates a circumstance where the the fishermen that set the trap cannot relocate it potentially. Um, 
a lot of times that that gear will become uh, tangled and bundled in such a fashion that that nobody's prepared to get it with anything other than a dive knife and and scuba equipment. Um, so there's that. Um, at Cedar Key, more uh, you know something that is that we we all have our minds on right now, considering those folks up in the Big Bend region suffered such a dramatic hit, you know, uh, just a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were there in June, I believe it was, like I said, um, and we were focused specifically on the aquaculture debris, right? So in that area, they're doing a lot of uh, clam aquaculture. Um, and what we found is that the cover netting, the plastic cover netting that's used for a lot of those clam leases um, can become detached and go missing. It ends up in the trees, tangled around everything. Um, a lot of the guys running boats through that area report having it tangled up in their props, et cetera, et cetera. So um, each location that's impacted presents a different series of uh, factors, let's say. And like Cedar Key, that's going to be uh, aquaculture gear. So we're always looking at like what are the factors um, at play for each location. And and when a major storm event comes, like you said, um, you know, we do plan our next opportunity to get to that municipality. We go. Um, and it also means, of course, that, you know, uh, state funds and federal funds oftentimes become dedicated to those areas. So fortunately, we have been able to tap into resources to go and help respond to some of those spots. Um, but yeah, it's something that we watch very closely, of course. When the debris, when those storms happen, the the onshore debris that makes it into the water um, is is definitely elevated and the fisheries debris is elevated as well. Mm -hmm. Man, after Irma, there was a, there was a yeah. wad of traps and trap lines right out in front of Hawks K, right in front of the, the, the head pins at Hawks K. I mean, it was yeah. 40 feet across a knot. Like if you imagine yeah. like your fly line coming up and making a knot, yeah, imagine yeah. that tight, you know, bundle of, of fly yeah. line Rats nest. 40 feet across yeah. both sides. I mean, there must that have been there must have been twenty different traps just getting spun like a washing machine. And I've seen oh, that yeah. out in the Marquesas too after a big storm. I yeah, don't know yeah. what happens to it in the Marquesas. This place, yeah. at least, you know, you're right by a boat ramp, and you could yeah. and, and and somebody yeah. somebody came and got it. I never saw who who got it, but well, uh, I can I can report to you that our uh, some of our counterparts from FWC just got back from the Marquesas today. They were on a, a multi day dive down there doing survey and cleanup work and they got over two miles of uh trap line wow yeah that's awesome yeah that's really yeah. great yeah that trap line you know it's especially when you're when you're uh when the, when they lose the buoy you know you, yeah it's not the fisherman's fault right it's right. somebody else's fault you somebody ran exactly. over your buoy or yeah i don't know you guess you could have a storm and rips the buoy apart or i don't know something hits it <laughs> Uh, yeah, but boat yeah. strike is most common, I would say. Yeah, but, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yep. Um, so you mentioned a bunch of uh, things that you got going in the future, um, all the way up to to uh, Long Island Sound. Anything yeah. after that, or do you have any uh, any any goals for the next couple of years for for Ocean Aid three sixty? You know what? We're working on finalizing. I try not to talk about stuff before it's done, but I think this one's pretty close. We're uh, we're finalizing a memorandum of understanding with the government of the Bahamas 
um, to start to export the model that we've done at Harbor Island uh, to other islands like Abaco and Bimini um, would be the next um, and, and show that model to other communities and start to involve local schools, local municipal leadership um, and residents and businesses uh, in our process and, and try to stand up some other annual events that would uh, over time become sustainable and and uh, be handed over to those communities as well yeah, that's so fantastic. that's something i'm really excited about that's uh, fantastic what yeah. uh what would you say the uh, comparison of the commercial fishing uh and the gear in the bahamas versus united states uh yeah i mean i think we we do a lot more trapping and for sure because uh, i mean i see like commercial lobster divers over there and they they're diving for lobster but yep. i don't know that i've ever really seen trap boats maybe no, i have you, i don't know you're exactly right uh the amount of trapping that goes on is i would say dramatically uh smaller uh, as a percentage of their fishery than we experience in florida um, the other thing that's kind of interesting about it is that a lot of the traps are kind of makeshift, mm. right? As opposed to standardized traps like you'd find around the coast of Florida or Louisiana, you know, South Carolina, whatever it may be. Um, and we experience the same thing in uh, in Puerto Rico, right? Where traps are made out of all kinds of different materials and construct constructs or designs. Um, and we've seen a little bit of that in South Florida as well. Like the event that we just did in Biscayne Bay, somebody had made a lobster trap out of a Home Depot shopping cart. Huh. So, uh, I mean, you got to appreciate the ingenuity, I guess, right? But hey, uh, sooner or later, somebody will make a better trap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know exactly. What? You keep right. messing around with it, and and, right. and it's you know, fishermen are smart. Like they are, yeah. they're smart, and and sooner or later. I mean, yeah. everything gets improved. You're right? exactly and, right. And it could come from a shopping cart. Like, it seems yeah. like that's silly, but who yeah. knows, man? I know yeah. that I know that a lot of, you know, the 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 um, the crab guys, mm -hmm. it, it obviously the traps obviously catch better when they don't have marine growth on them because they all have the the pressure washer yeah. and yep. you yep. watch them. They get the crab. They get the crabs out. They pressure wash that trap before it goes back. Exactly. And it goes right back in. And then there's other yeah. traps that, that don't catch as good when they're, when they're, you know, super yeah. bright and shiny. And yeah, um, that's right. But I, I don't know. I mean, everybody figures that out. Like somebody figured that out. As soon as you put the trap yeah. in the water, it catches the best. And then yeah. once it gets all this stuff on there and the first guy that put a pressure washer on their boat, they probably thought he was crazy. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that's yeah, why, what are you doing? And then every right. time he comes in full, his numbers are better. Right? And yeah, then, yeah, then yeah. here goes another pressure washer and another pressure right. washer and another pressure washer. It's just right. the same way with tournaments. Like, yeah. you know, if you change the rule in a tournament, yeah, then, you know, yeah. they'll, they will figure out how to fish around that rule and yeah. create a new technique that works better than what the rule went in to prevent. Sure. They just sure. fishermen are good like that. They they yeah, are. Exactly. They're always yeah. good like that. Um, You're making me think of the breakaway jigs. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, you can take it anywhere in bass fishing and trout fly fishing and in any sort of tournament. I'm sure marlin sailfish tournaments, you know, yeah. they, they made them use the circle hook and they, they didn't want to at, at first. Yeah. And now it's like, yeah. well, yeah, 
let's of course let's use yeah. them like who would want to do it the other way right they <laughs> right, figure it right, out right. Uh, yeah but, but fishermen are smart man they're they're they have a lot of I ingenuity agree. and they're smart and and everybody likes to catch easier than yeah harder right yeah so, right. <laughs> everything gets better well yeah. man I, what? I, I I want to mention to you really quick. I don't want to gloss over the question that you asked about, you know, our focus in the in the tropical fisheries. You know, um, I would say that down there, what we're see, what we're focused on predominantly, and what we're seeing the most of is um, like large ocean plastics, right? So large ship rope, uh, all kinds of big buoys and things like that, um, and then construction materials and such. Um, what we're focused on down there in the Bahamas and what we were looking at in Puerto Rico uh, on our last visit down there to meet with a local partner named Conservation Conciencia um, is uh, is storm debris mostly, you know, and stuff that gets carried to their shores from across the world right. uh, or across the Atlantic, let's say, um, that, that may not originate with them at all. So what did you think about for Puerto Rico? How many times have you been there? Uh, I've been there three times. Wow. Yeah, it's a place I want to go. I, I want yeah, to go there. Yeah. I, I think it would be fantastic. It just seems—I don't know yeah. why I've never been, but I've—I've I've never been to Puerto Rico. It's look—it looks amazing. Yeah, yeah. I—I I haven't had much opportunity to fish there. I know that some of the the lagoons and bays can be incredible for tarpon stuff. Um, but I'd, I'd invite your listeners to check out another organization. Like I said, it's Conservation Conciencia. Um, S-C-I-E-N-C-I-A, I believe it is. Um, but they, they're like Ocean 8 360, but they're really focused on the Puerto Rico uh, island and their waters and, and a lot of the storm debris after the hurricane that came through there. Um, and they've done a phenomenal job at organizing commercial fishermen, and they've taught us some things that we've brought back here to the Florida mainland. So um, well worth looking at. And I think it just speaks to the fact that there are a lot of reasons to feel positive about what's going on in the fisheries and about um, local groups really making a positive and bright impact um, that is growing. So we need, you know, I, I think a lot of times people expect that as a nonprofit, like all we're going to ask for is money, give us money, you know, or something like that. The cash certainly helps, but honestly, the biggest thing is is turning up to an event um, and getting boots on the ground and helping us uh, focus on on watersheds and, and uh, habitat improvement. Um, and believe it or not, one of the biggest things that all of our uh, large industry sponsors or fishing companies or whatever, what they want to see nowadays is a social media following. They want to see that people are watching your work and that when Mercury, which is one of our, our sponsors, comes online, that other folks are going to know about it as well. So mm -hmm. believe it or not, as corny as it sounds, liking and following the social media accounts for Ocean Aid 360 and other nonprofits that you care about, it actually does have a real positive impact on our on our work and our ability to continue operating. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I've seen that with lots of other conservation organizations as well. Um, yeah. So this is your chance. You've got, uh, now am I reading this correctly? It says the 13th through the 15th. So that's, is that yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday? Yeah, I, I'm not sure always is. very good with dates and days uh, <laughs> for, coming from a guy that just, you know, fish for a long time. Just, yeah. you just, you just go pretty much yeah. every day. But exactly. uh, so Wednesday, Thursday and Friday this week, because this That's is going right. to come out tomorrow. This is going to come out on the yep. 13th. 
um, yep. of, of September, which is Wednesday. So then if you were listening to this on the 13th, you would have tomorrow and Friday to go down to Key Haven, which is yep. right above Key West, and you would have an opportunity to help in this in this cleanup. Yeah, and the event's going to be hosted by Beach Weekend Marina, which is right there on the same shoreline at Key Haven. Um, we're going to have some Marine. Yep, yeah. People that are, are more familiar with that. Right, Boog and we're going to have uh, all that. your. What, which one was Boog, it? Before? Boog Powell. Oh yeah, that was Boog his. Powell. That was his. That was his marina, and then then the Murray gotcha. Boys had it, and now it's it's the new owners. I gotcha. Well, we're going to have all the supplies. We're going to have uh, free lunch brought in. We're going to have prizes each day of the cleanup um, and make it a nice experience for people. So anybody that's got the time available and shares our mission and wants to see a cleaner, healthier uh, fishery here, please come on out. We can use your help. For sure. I wish I could come. I'm not going to be in town. But are you going to be good. set up at the marina there? Or are you going to be set up at the boat ramp? Or where? where is the We're going to be set up at at the marina. Okay. Yeah, we're going to have our, a couple of tents set up and refreshments and our supplies station and all of that. Um, and yeah, we're going to, we're accepting folks who want to come by skiff, you know, use a boat to work the shoreline or folks who want to come by foot or kayak, of course. Um, but yeah, our, our rendezvous point is at Beach Weekend Marina. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. Well, Neil. Good job. Congratulations and kudos to you. And thank you for what you're doing and what Ocean 8360 is doing. Everybody wants a cleaner ocean. Nobody wants to look at trash. And that's what you're doing. You're cleaning that's it right. all up and, and doing it in a, in a fun way that, that's inclusive and, and uh, getting a lot of people involved. I love it. I, can't, uh, I, I couldn't be more in support of anything. Sounds thank you. awesome. So uh, OceanAid360.org is the website. And uh, Captain Neil Holland right here with us. Uh, you can probably just reach out to him if, uh, um, if you had questions. So That's right. Either yeah. way, I, uh, I fully support it. If you're around and you can, you can go, go down to the old Murray Marine or the new beach. What's it called, Beach? Beach Weekend. Beach Marina. Weekend. Uh, mm -hmm. So that would be fantastic. Pick up a few bottles, and, um, and uh, I'm sure you're going to find lots of other stuff in those. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. <laughs> but anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, Neil, thanks again for what you're doing. I really appreciate it. And I uh, uh, hope, hope that some people that are listening to this go down and, and help out. Thank you, Tom. We sure appreciate that and looking to coming back on when we get 300,000 pounds. Let's do it. Let's do All it. Right, we'll man. set a date. Rock and roll. All right. Thanks, Neil. See you, bud. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Brave anglers search for the one they call king, but who will take his throne? Tune in to Waypoint TV's Battle for Silver, Saturday, May 18th from 12 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Presented by Abyss Battery. Waypoint TV.